Welcome to another episode of the You Flourish podcast, where we are your go-to stop for faith-based career coaching to help you flourish in all seasons of your leadership journey. Flourishing happens when you find strength in God to let go of all worry. It's so easy to get wrapped up in the stress and hustle of this world and to put faith on the back burner. What if you tuned in to our podcast every other Tuesday so that you feel encouraged to go through the rest of your week keeping God top of mind? If you love what we have to say, make sure to follow us on social media, write a review, and subscribe. Get ready to grow, and let's dive in. Cassie, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited to have you on our podcast. Would you like to start off by just telling us a little bit more about who you are. Sure. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm Cassie Marka. I work currently in-house for Bell Bank as an attorney in their banking legal department. Um, Before Bell, I came from a a law firm in Grand Forks where I was a partner. Um, And there I did um, kind of a wide variety of different civil matters. So I've been practicing law since about 2013. I am a wife and a mother of three kiddos. Mm-hmm. Well, and remind me, I know we've talked about this before, but what led you to that switch between, is it private practice and going to Bell? Yeah, so a lot of things, I think. Um, and I think as we, we talked today a little bit more about my family, but kind of unique home life circumstances with, with my kiddos that I think just required a little bit more intention and time and a little bit less stress on mom so the switch to private practice was about just eliminating a little bit of the the stress of being not only a lawyer but a business owner and being responsible um, for employees in the wake of covid and um, i was commuting for a short period of time from um, fargo to grand forks on occasion so it was just kind of time it was a good opportunity that i felt was kind of put in my path and and i took advantage of it i've been very happy with the move Mm. Yeah, you seem to have a really awesome team over at Bell, and it's been fun to spend some time with you and the team and get to know you better, Cassie, and I know one of the things that I'm just so um, impressed with is you just always seem so courageous, so bold, you work really hard. I know you have a really unique home situation with your kids. Do you want to tell us more about your children and kind of each one of them and and what makes them unique and we can kind of go from there? Sure. So Bill and I met in high school. Um, We got married shortly after graduating college. Um, And when I started law school, we started trying for a family. We were literally like ready to to throw on the towel and, and pursue adoption when we got pregnant with my firstborn, Willow. So I was in my third year of law school. Um, and we uh, went to our ultrasound to determine whether or not she was, or determined if she was a boy or a girl. And they told us she was a girl. Mm. Uh, and they al- also told us that she was to be born with half a heart. So she had a diagnosis called hypoplastic left heart syndrome that was diagnosed at 20 weeks old, 20 weeks in utero. Um, <clears throat> so at that point, we learned that Willow would undergo her first open heart surgery when she was two days old and that she would need two additional um, open heart surgeries before the age of three. Mm. So it was kind of earth shattering, earth shaking. Um, uh, I had just graduated law school. I was preparing for the bar exam. I had a little nesting of money that would allow me to work part-time that summer. Um, That turned into the nesting that would, you know, 
get us through the months in the ICU. So working part-time in the morning at the firm, bartending at night, I studied for the bar in between. Um, and then around 34 weeks, took the bar exam, 36 weeks, we went down to Mayo and prepared for, for Willow's birth. Um, she was born on Friday the 13th, mm. the little rock star that she is. Um, and she spent, she had her first surgery at two days old. She spent two and a half months in the ICU after that and really just watched her um, fight for her life. I mean, it was just very touch and go, very critical for two and a half months. And um, we brought Willow home uh, by the grace of God and, and she's been doing amazing. Two years later, we had Scarlett also known as Sonic Marka. She's gone by Sonic for the last Sonic. three years. Where'd that nickname come from? I think she just likes Sonic the Hedgehog. And so I just keep waiting for it to, to fall off, but she's still at it. And does every, she say, call me this? or Everybody guys... at school knows her as Sonic. Oh, funny. Like, I don't think anybody knows her name is Scarlet. So when I get birthday invitations, it's Sonic Marka. Sonic. When I get like, like, uh, principal awards Sonic Marka. So Sonic Marka. Oh, funny. We're just going to legally change it here. Yes. Soon. But um, so Scarlett was born healthy. Um, she is the family watchman. She's our protector. She's security. I call her CEO of Marka Inc. She's the boss and mm. she's amazing. Um, kind of like her mama. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then two years after Scarlett, we had crew. And Crew is a mama's boy. He's huge. He's massive, uh, <laughs> off the charts. So after Willow's surgery, when she was about two and a half, she was also diagnosed with autism. So Willow has very few words. She's starting to, to talk more, but less, um, less words that she can communicate with and more she just repeats. Mm. Crew also has been diagnosed with autism. So they're both pretty much nonverbal, <laughs> which is... Um, just, you know, another little added piece of uniqueness in our family. Uh, they're all amazing. Crew's, you know, such a big kid, but he's just the most loving, sweet little guy. And mm. yeah, they all just have my heart for sure. Now, Willow's nine. How old are the other two? So Scarlett's going to be seven and okay. Crew turned four. So he'll be five in February. Okay. I was trying yeah. to get the age. Now, um, Let's go back to Willow for a second because my mind is already blown and we haven't even ever talked about this, <laughs> but I'm picturing you studying for the bar all while going through this emotional journey of knowing that your life is probably going to be a little bit different than expected with your first child and the challenges that will come with that. How in the world did you navigate both of those huge, huge, huge things yeah. during that time? So to be honest with you, I've been very lucky to have my mom through this whole process. Mm. So when I found out about Willow, um, it was literally just after graduation and before I started studying. So I told my mom and it's expensive, you know, bar prep courses are, right. man, a few thousand dollars. So I told my mom, I'm not taking the bar. I need to focus on this. Like, I don't even know if I'm going to bring Willow home. Like I can't even, and, and my mom told me take it. Like, it's going to be a great distraction. She's like, you're probably not going to pass, but you'll have a great excuse. Um, but otherwise you're just going to sit and be focused on this for the next mm -hmm. 20 weeks. So just do it to keep you busy, really keep me busy. And, and I know, I, I still don't know to this day if she ever thought that I would pass. She always, you know, whenever you're taking the bar exam and, and everyone who has taken it will agree to this, whenever you take it, 
everyone, oh, you'll be fine. You'll pass. You'll do fine. And it's like, nah, maybe, maybe, but maybe not. Maybe. My mom was the opposite. She always said, you're not going to pass. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> like you're not. And, and I don't know if she was just tempering my expectations. Ah, maybe she really is. meant it. Probably. She probably knew how you were wired. Reverse psychology. And yes. Reverse yes. psychology. Smart mama. Yeah. She's awesome. So it's pretty cool. So then when I took it, I was huge. It was hard pills. Like there were moments where, I mean, I would go to the firm and I'd work and I'd just fall. Like I'd just be so sad and so scared about losing Willow. Um, but when I took the bar, it was huge. And I, I think the motivation was just, I knew I was going to have to provide for her now, you know, even more than before you mm -hmm. always want to provide for your kids. But mm -hmm. now I knew like, okay, she's going to have all of these extra things and mm -hmm. surgeries and, you know, I need to be able to provide for her. So it was really cool. We were literally sitting in the Ronald McDonald house, me, Bill and my mom. And I got the email that like bar results had come in. We hadn't mm -hmm. had Willow yet. And we are sitting there and yeah, I, I you crushed passed. the bar exam. Yeah, I, was, I did. I did. What so, are the, how did the scores work? What did you score? I'm so curious. I don't know. I don't remember exactly at that point. Um, I just know that you needed to get like such a score to wave into Minnesota so that I didn't have to take, take the Minnesota bar. And I, I had achieved that. So that was, yeah. I was crushing it. So like, so it works for North Dakota and Minnesota. Right. Yes. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So your husband, Bill? Bill. So throughout this whole time, what was his experience like? How did he navigate everything? Yeah, Bill's kind of like, maybe it's a stereotype, but kind of your standard guy. Like he just <laughs> kind of played it cool. Um, he's had a few, you know, definitely just been there for me and kind of been my support system, but he's definitely had a few moments where, and he's, if you know Bill, he's like a big tattooed man from head to toe and um he's had a few moments where he's completely broken down yeah. you know I can remember when we handed Willow off for her first surgery we were in this little hallway and mm. just this tiny baby and um he just was sobbing and all of these nurses and doctors were looking at mm. us like but so yeah he holds it together mm. most of the time but every once in a while he kind of shows that empathy absolutely yeah well it can't be easy for either of you and I know you had mentioned during your stay at the hospital you had a visitor yeah so I grew up Catholic and so okay. every Sunday at church every holiday all the scriptures and prayers and songs um and it's interesting and a little bit ironic that like I feel like I really got um deeper in my faith while we were at Mayo so it's ironic because that entire time I felt like I was really drifting from God. You know, I was watching her struggle and, and watching her suffer, you know, a lot of days. And I, there's this little room right outside the ICU and I'd go in there and I'd just cry and I'd scream at him and I'd curse him. Why are you letting her suffer? What are you doing? You know, why us? Um, man, there were babies that would, that would pass away on that floor that we'd see, we'd get to know their families and the people taking care of them. And, and I just didn't understand it. And I was very, very angry. Um, but there was a pastor, a chaplain named Tim. Mm. And I think Tim came from a very, very different religious background than us. But he would show up every day and ask us to pray uh, for Willow. And um, every single day, he'd, he'd show up. And there were days where mm. we were so angry and we didn't know if she was going to make it through the night or the day. And we were mad at God and we didn't believe in God. And we, you know, we were all different phases and he'd walk by and I'm sure he saw us roll his eye, roll our eyes and I'm sure he saw dirty looks and I'm sure he saw frustration and anger and 
you know, there were so many days where I was just like, keep walking, <laughs> like, don't come in this room, you know, but he did what he did. And um, he was too sweet to, to ever turn away. Mm -hmm. So he'd come in, fine, we'll pray, we'll fine, we'll pray. Um, but he's really what kept me connected. And I think because, not because of any words or scripture he ever said, but because of the fact that he was willing to get into the trenches with us. He was willing to be there on the good days and then on the bad. And when it probably wasn't comfortable for him to come into that room, he would. Yeah. And that taught me more about faith and, um, you know, a relationship with God than anything I had learned growing up. So mm -hmm. um, it was really beautiful. After her first surgery, we um, made it so that he could baptize her at Mayo the night before her second surgery. So he's mm -hmm. the... The man that baptized her so we still keep in contact with him and he's just been amazing and um yeah i try to be like him whenever i can and just be you know that person that shows up for people and um even when it's not always fun or easy mm -hmm. to do so and he kept showing up even when you didn't want him to totally and we've told him that <laughs> like, we told I'm him sure. that after we're like man there were days where you're just like just it's not the time it's not the day but he he'd open that door and he'd kind of step and you know, I'm sure it was intimidating and scary for him, but mm. yeah, amazing guy. I'm, I'm just so amazed too that you're still in touch with him. And I know that we talked a little bit about this before hopping on this podcast, how, you know, staying in, in touch with your faith, especially staying engaged in a church, how it can be difficult when you have these children that are of different abilities and different mm -hmm. needs. Let's talk more about that. Yeah. So actually, you know, again, I grew up always going to church and I always wanted that for my family. I, I for sure wanted it for Willow, knowing that it was likely that she wouldn't live a full life. I wanted her to have a good relationship with mm -hmm. God and really, you know, um, feel good about that in the future. Um, <clears throat> but actually when they sent us home after her first surgery, they're like, stay away from church. Hmm. Um, it's just kind of a breeding ground for disease and sickness. And she really didn't have the ability to get sick at that point. I mean, hmm. a, a cold, the virus can really do it in for her. So, um, so we did, we stayed away from church. And then as the autism diagnosis came on, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard sometimes, I think for families with kids with special needs to feel, uh, like church is a good place for their family. Like it's conducive, to, mm -hmm. you know, for their family. We've got tantrums, we've got screaming, we've got weird noises, um, and at least in the churches that I grew up in, that wasn't really part of it, you know? Um, so I think it's important for me and for others to really, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, grow our faith and, and grow our relationship with God without really the confines of a church? You know, how do we do that just on the day-to-day, -day, in the real world, at the grocery store and at the mm -hmm. office? And um, so that's what I try to do now is I try to just use my my everyday life to incorporate you know what i've learned and what i'm learning and and how i can do more of of christ's work in the community just by being a good person mm -hmm. how else are there any other ways like with your children that you've incorporated faith or how do you <clears throat> i mean so it's it's a little bit difficult we i mean obviously we talk about god and heaven and angels and all the people that take care of us um, it's a little bit harder with Willow and crew still. Um, but yeah, I think the basic premise for us has just been how do we treat people? How do we love people? How do we show up for people? How do we, you know, tell people who they are and, and what they, they mean to us and things like that? Just kind of more of like the golden rule type. Um, Instilling those values. Yeah, yeah. 
that's great. Um, but yeah, it is hard. I know growing up to going to church, I don't remember that many, yeah, you know, children with, with special needs yeah. in the church. And, and it makes probably, me wonder who, you know, who was in our community that just felt like they weren't welcome. And so I think too, from the church's standpoint, there, it sounds like there's a huge opportunity for the church to make make it more welcome too for people like your family absolutely and I don't know that it's ever been intentional right you know like I don't know if it's but it's just between for us at least between the autism and how that just generally looks in the community sometimes and the reactions that you get in the community sometimes um and health concerns it's just yeah. ends up being a little bit hard well and I know you mentioned um life expectancy with Willow um Tell me more about how that's been and dealing with that and um, for our listeners, what, what that looks like for her. Yeah. So, um, you know, 30, well, when, when we got the diagnosis, they told us that 30 years ago, they basically just sent these, these children home for like palliative care, um, comfort care, and they'd pass within a week or so. Um, now I think the statistics are that 50% of kiddos with HLHS will pass before their fifth birthday. Mm -hmm. So we've passed that mark, which mm -hmm. is great. Um, but she's had three surgeries that basically replumb the anatomy of her heart. She literally has half a heart. So it'll just like replumb, you know, we have one chamber that, that allows for the pumping of the blood and the oxygenation of the blood. That's the, the chamber she doesn't have. So just kind of a passive flow. Um, so her heart will just kind of tuck her out at some point. Mm -hmm. When that is, we don't really know. It could be soon. It could be 30 years from now. She'll eventually be likely be listed for a heart transplant and all of that. But um, I think anybody who's ever, you know, been through a heart transplant knows that that's kind of a band-aid and, and just trading one complication for another. So yeah. we don't really know. Um, we just kind of know that it's probably unlikely that she'll outlive us. Mm. Yeah. So hearing that you're likely to outlive your child. How has that changed your life and changed your perspective? Yeah, it changed everything and it continues to change everything. And I think, um, you know, when you're told that it's kind of like the, the Tim McGraw song, but it's like, you know, how do you, you look at your world different? And I think a lot of families that either have kiddos or family members with, you know, chronic health issues or have lost someone, I mean, you're just able to Put things into perspective more mm -hmm. you know literally every day i crawl into bed with her and she's got the biggest cheeks and this little button nose and she's like a little physical reminder that our time here is limited and we need to take it and and use it for good and and enjoy every day and i know it's a cliche thing to say and we all mm -hmm. say it all the time you never know when it's going to be your time but when you're told that it's likely that it, this is going to happen then you start to i think just reprioritize, you know, it gives you a, a kind of a beautiful perspective um, on, on what really matters and what doesn't. Mm. So how do you work towards really cherishing that time with your family then? What do you guys do? What do you enjoy oh to do together? <laughs> we do all the things. We've literally made our house like a little safe haven for them, just like toys and um, we call it the dark cart. We have like a big UTV that we take for rides all the time and a big hot tub and, um, we just have fun. We don't care about messes. We don't care about spilling. We don't care about, mm. you know, any of those things really, honestly, if you know me, you know that I don't have a lot of rules at all because <laughs> what's the point, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
we just have fun and we laugh and we love each other. And there's times where it's, you know, like any family, it's crazy and it's overwhelming and it's stressful. But again, like I said, you know, she literally just, you know, anytime I see her, I feel like I kind of have to stop and just be like, holy crap, like this is, this is our life. This is our time. How are we going to use it? So we, we try to have a lot of fun and we try to not worry about the little things. Mm. Well, and let's talk a little bit more about you, Cassie, because mm -hmm. I know we've <laughs> talked a lot about Willow. She has this amazing, courageous journey and such a strong child. And um, I mean, just the fact that she's lived past that statistic of five years old, she's nine. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a blessing that you've been able to have her this long. Like yes. in the past, it's like, oh, they live for a couple days yes. with this condition. So I just think that's so cool. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about, you know, now where you're at with, um, you know, how do you stay positive? Um, how do you continue to manage when, you know, your heart is so with your kids a lot of the time, but yet you're still in this successful career? Like, how do you navigate things when it gets tough? Yeah, great question. So I think that's, um, you know, I don't know why I ever had this belief in my head, but I did, that this idea that your professional life is your professional life and your personal life is your personal life and they're not meant to commingle. You shouldn't be bringing your personal stuff to work. And um, I got to the point where I was like, you know, I came home from the hospital and I dove into this profession as a lawyer. And I was like, how do I do this? How do I just be a lawyer during the day when my brain is always on her? You know, it's always on the families like her that are struggling and the people that have lost kids and that will lose kids. How do I function as a lawyer? How do I think about some of the, you know, the technicalities of the legal process and the substance mm -hmm. of, the, of, the, of the law um, when it feels like there's all these other things going on in my brain? And, you know, I kind of came to the realization that you don't have to separate the two. Mm -hmm. Like bringing what you've learned in your personal life and what you learn in your personal life with you to work makes you very unique and very beneficial to your employer and to your team and to the people you work with because your perspective, how you treat people because of what you've learned is, is everything. I mean, that's why we're here, right? Mm -hmm. Is to take what we've learned good and bad yeah. and become better people with it and then put it out into the world in everything we do, whether we're dealing with legal issues or, you know, taking people for coffee or whatever it is we're doing so um i'd say you know i try to just do that and i try to just you know bring everything together and when it gets hard like i said like it all kind of leads back to her and just recognizing that you know how important is this issue how important is this stressor this bad day when in all reality like you know our time's limited let's just be let's be intentional with how we how we use it Mm. Well, and one of the things too, so you're bringing, you know, you're integrating your personal with your professional in order to help other people have a bigger perspective. And I think that others really admire you for that. Um, you and I have chatted a little bit about how sometimes people just don't really maybe fully understand or um, get what you're going through when it comes to dealing with just your unique family situation. And so what advice do you have for, you know, someone like me, for example, who's never had to go through, you know, having a, a child that's maybe a little bit different? Mm -hmm. um, like what advice do you have for other parents out there, other individuals um, when it comes to knowing how to empathize or at least um, understand your situation better. 
Yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think it's one that not just people, you know, that that don't really understand or don't have the perspective, but for all of us to yeah. just hold space for people to share. You know, like I think in this day and age, everything is so fast paced and we're, oh, how was, you know, how was your day? How was your weekend? How are you doing? Fine. I'm good. I'm fine. And it reminds me of the the um, terrible things for asking podcast by Nora McInerney, where she talks about the fact that we're not fine. You know, normally we're not fine and we need to hold that space for people to tell us what's really going on. So I've always tried to be very transparent and vulnerable with the people around me and tell them exactly what's going on with Will and how it makes me feel and all of that stuff to give them that opportunity, you know, to dive in. And a lot of people take me up on it. Um, but I also encourage that for anybody, you know, to just hold space, whether someone has a special needs kiddo or not, what are they going through? Cause we all have our stuff, you know, so really be willing to like Tim did, like the chaplain did dive into the hard stuff with people sometimes, you know? Well, not be afraid to go back to someone and support them, even if, you know, they might not seem mm -hmm. like they want your love and support. Yeah. Too. Uh, you, you mentioned that podcast. What was that? The name of that one? Uh, called? Terrible. Thanks for asking. Terrible. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Ah. And I think it's like just a bunch of stories about people that are just going through really hard times. And again, like, you know, normally we say, how are you doing? Good. Good. How are you? Terrible. Good. Thanks for asking. You know, yeah. Here's why, you know, it's, it's, it's a really great podcast. And Nora McInerney um, used to head up a, a nonprofit called uh, Still Kick In. And she, she went through some really um, hard challenges in her life too. And she actually, they, they acknowledged Willow was like one of their heroes Ooh. one month and did a whole thing on her. And it, yeah. Oh my it gosh. Really yeah. How were you connected? Um, my brother put me in, into contact with her and her nonprofits. So yeah. <sighs> That's so cool. Mm -hmm. Well, um, I'm going to have to look that up. Terrible. Thanks for asking. What was yes. her name again? Nora McInerney. Okay, Nora McInerney. I'm not mm -hmm. going to go to spell that. I'm just going to put that, but I um, <laughs> wanted to write that down. Well, one of the things too, Cassie, that I want to make sure um, we get to, because this has been a pretty, pretty serious conversation. Always. Always. But <laughs> you, you know, you have a sense of humor mm -hmm. as well. How do you like uh, work towards not taking yourself too seriously and keep things light um, throughout your week? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely do. Don't I? You do. My team would, would attest to that. <laughs> You're kind of, it's like the class clown but with uh, a team, mm -hmm. just keeping things light. Um, where does that humor, where does that come from? Yeah. I don't know. I think like we've got a lot of jokesters in my family. So I, I always wonder like, would I have been like this? You know, if not for all of the, the craziness and sometimes chaos going on in my life, would I have always been like this? Like, would I have been differently if I just would have had kind of like the, the typical family pack? Type a, I don't know. Just, yeah. Um, but again, I think it all kind of goes back to just like, man, when I set out to be a lawyer, I had like this vision of like, just, you know, law and order and this prosecutor, and this, you know, professional not doing all these, <laughs> I'm not that, doing all these things and the white picket fence and, you know, all of the success and the titles and the, all of that and again it just it just changed you know it just mm -hmm. changed and it, it became life became less about that and more about enjoying it and laughing and having fun and making other people laugh so I love doing that mm. I'll do it for as long as I can get away with it life's too short that's right 
life's too short. What's the same? Life's too short to be taken too seriously. Exactly. Um, I always have to remind myself that because I can be very intense mm -hmm. and I can be very, you know, goal focused and hard charging and just so focused on that future thing. And I forget to stop and smell the roses and just totally. enjoy and laugh and have fun and make a mess. Yeah. And not worry about cleaning it up. I loved what you said about <laughs> um, we're messy. We have fun. Yeah. Our home yeah. is our safe haven. Mm -hmm. I think that's so cool too. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, you still want to be successful and, and do all the things. And I do, I still want to give my kids, you know, the life I had always envisioned for them. It just looks different now and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you've talked a lot about how our time here is limited mm -hmm. and any other advice for our listeners around how they can really embrace um, just those pivots or those roadblocks or those hurdles? Because those listening in, they, they might not be dealing with the exact same challenges that you are, but how can we continue to remind ourselves that our time is limited? Yeah, I think embracing those pivots is so important and embracing kind of the uncomfortableness that life can bring sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I said, you know, I had this path of taking the bar and then there was this little fork, you know, how do I adjust? And, you know, I could have said, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to take mm -hmm. the bar. I'm just going to focus on this. And I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, if not for, for my mom saying, no, just take it, just do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my change in, in profession, you know, I, again, I had had this vision of, you know, what, what my legal career would look like. And it wasn't working in house at a mm -hmm. bank. Um, but that's exactly what I needed to provide the love and care and, um, you know, just feeling more like I'm able to be present with mm -hmm. my kids and enjoy the time following that gut, following that path and embracing it and not taking it as like a failure or a setback, but like, mm -hmm. you know, this is where I'm meant to be. This is where I'm going. So let's go there. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. Let's, let's embrace it and let's make the best of it. Um, not being so rigid and in, in where we're going and, and preparing for and being ready for those those chances to pivot. Well, and it's it's cool too because I know you had mentioned um, just when things were tough and when you found out about Willow's diagnosis, you still decided to study for the bar, even though you knew it would be tough, but that was something that would keep you busy take your mind off of things. And so that was also something that you said that I thought, you know, a lot of us, if we're faced with something so, mm -hmm. so heavy, so challenging, it's really easy to kind of shut down and not push to add anything else or try anything else during that time, because mm -hmm. we're just so paralyzed by our own emotions and mm -hmm. fear. And so I think that advice in itself, just of hey, if you're going through a tough time, maybe try to throw something in there that um, will be a challenge or take your mind off of things, keep you busy, because that that sounds like that was one of the things that actually helped you get through it. 100%. And I would also say, <clears throat> lean on the people around you, because yes. in those moments, we're going to say, I can't do this, and this is too much, and blah, 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 blah. But the people around you that know you mm -hmm. and love you are going to know you can do this, mm -hmm. you know, and they're going to be the ones that lift you up in that moment when it feels like, you know, it's a roadblock, not a, not a turn, mm. um, right. to, to really push you to challenge you. Cause I think they'll be able to see your, your capableness. Yeah. Capableness. We'll say that's ability. Capability. Capability. Yeah. More so than you will. I like making it. Words. 
not if that's I wish I could blame it on the baby but I no capability. <laughs> capability capability I think capability no you remind me of a sermon I heard one time where it was talking about how there's there's a bible verse that um kind of mentions God will never give you any give you more than you can handle but the pastor was talking about how and he had a southern accent and it was really fun because he said it's not about God won't give you anything that you can't handle alone it's God won't ever give you anything that all y'all can't handle is how he put it so it's more God's going to give us things that as an individual that we can't handle alone but he'll never give us anything that we can't handle as a community and yeah. as a population and you had your mom you had your husband you had the support system you had tim mm -hmm. the um, pastor mm -hmm. yeah the guy that kept coming in and visiting with your family um yeah and my i think my i i totally buy into that although i don't know that i believe that god god gives us like i never have bought yes. into the idea that like god made willow's heart you know yeah. sick um or I don't, I don't know, but I do believe that he's sprinkled people in my mm. life. Tim, you know, some of the f amazing, I almost dropped an F-bomb there, but I didn't. Amazing. <laughs> if you did, teachers, we <laughs> Teachers and um, paraprofessionals and nurses and even you, like today, like these moments to be able to talk about her. I feel like he's, he, he might not be the cause, you know, I think a lot of right. people struggle with that if God is this and he's almighty and he's all loving and he can, he can make all things new. Why this? Why, you know, I mean, there's so many horrific things that happen in this world mm. to people. And it's really easy for people to say, I don't believe because if this were true, my kid wouldn't have died. You know, mm. um, I wouldn't have been abused, whatever it is. Um, I don't believe that he's, he's doing those things. I believe those things happen mm -hmm. and I believe he puts people in your path to help you get through it. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely been evident. In, in our case. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like there's that analogy of you know, you're walking on the beach um, and mm -hmm. you only see the one pair of footprints and it's like, God, where were you during that time when I was walking alone? And God's like, actually, I was carrying mm -hmm. you during that time yeah. and how when we're going through difficult things, sometimes we feel so alone, we feel so lost. Uh, but those are the times where God really says, come to me, mm -hmm. let me hold your hand, let me carry you through mm -hmm. this. Um, so I just think that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. And really, I think just taking the time to, for me, it's been like, this wasn't a coincidence, you know, mm -hmm. these people that have shown up in our lives over and over and over again, it can't be a coincidence, you know, it's mm -hmm. just so evident to me and like giving yourself that time to really think about what is he doing in my life? Mm -hmm. You know, even though it's the day-to-day -day stuff, yeah. these people that you're constantly being, you know, in contact with or connected to, that's him. You know, that's my belief. So those nudges. And I think mm -hmm. we can all be better at really being aware of where God shows up. I Absolutely. call them those little God nudges or God winks. Yep. Um, if we're aware of that, we're paying attention. God is truly all around us every Absolutely. day. Absolutely. It's amazing. Yes. And I think what else is cool is, you know, we can be those people too. You know, we can be the winks. We can be yes. the you know, not just looking for the people that he's giving to yes. us, but we yes. can be those people be for those. others. You know, we can show up. We can be the ones opening the door mm. when people are crying or, you know, those things that aren't fun to do sometimes. You know, we can be those people for, for others and for God. We can be like Tim. We can be like Tim. We'll be more like Tim. <laughs> what would Tim do? <laughs> what would Tim do? We'll start that. Well, Cassie, is there anything left unsaid 
that you were hoping coming in here to have this conversation that you were wishing you wanted to have a chance to say and share? I don't think so. This has been so fun. Thank you for, for letting me talk about my family and absolutely everything we've been going through. Well, it's again, you and you inspire me. I love your courage. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be inspired by hearing your story. And I'm so appreciative that you're will, willing to share today. Um, if someone wants to follow up from our podcast or connect with you, is there a good way for them to to reach you, get a hold of you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Instagram. And I love connecting with, with other families and really anyone who just needs an ear or a mm. joke. I have some needs jokes. a joke. Yes. I have some Cassie jokes. has the best jokes. They're not podcast appropriate. No. But hit me up. <laughs> she has some very, very good <laughs> jokes. Very, very good jokes. So uh well we'll put uh some links in our show notes so people can find you. Um it's been so wonderful having you today. I'm, again, always inspired by who you are as a person and your story. So thank you for sharing it with us. Thank you for having me.